Hello and welcome to Independent Claws, your anthropomorphic writing and literature podcast. I'm your host, Sparf. Episode 11, Picking Up the Pieces. Today I want to talk about something that nobody really likes to think about or dwell on. Failure. When you're in any creative field, you're going to hear no far more often than you hear yes, no matter what level you reach, unless you're a household name. As an actor, rejection is a regular part of life for me. I've slowed down on auditioning in the past couple of years in order to focus on voice work, losing some weight, improving my craft, but when you go out and audition, you're going to hear no a lot. Well... That's not exactly true. You're going to hear nothing a lot. When the answer is no, theaters and production companies don't have the will to dedicate time or resources to offering you an answer. If the answer isn't yes, then it's no, and you can infer from that whatever you like. As writers, at least, we have a leg up on that. We will at least hear no from those to whom we submit. External sources of failure are often a part of doing what we do. Let me tell you, from first-hand experience, you will be dealing with rejection more than you deal with acceptance, like I said. I mentioned in another episode about the person who gave me the feedback that my writing sucked too badly for them to finish the story. The first thing I wrote after that hiatus, I wrote after reading Kyle Gold's Out of Position and Ben Goodridge's Found One Apocalypse. It was a short little introspective piece that I wrote for the Fernal Equinox con book, and even today I'm kind of proud of. It was accepted right out of the gate. And I'll be a little sappy here, and I'll admit that at that following Anthrocon, I ran across and bought the art piece that got paired with it in the con book. And then I had the story page and the artwork professionally framed together. It's hanging on the wall just over there in my little studio here as we speak. This acceptance right out of the gate, though, um, did make me a little overconfident. Um, My next story submission was to an anthology called Beware the Night. Now, I wrote what amounts to possibly the most amateurish, derivative, and juvenile werewolf story in existence, and I submitted it. I didn't even get a beta read on it. Well, in retrospect, it was awful. But the rejection was a little bit of a shock coming off of my quote-unquote easy first success with a con book, and not knowing then that con books are often much easier to get into than paying markets because there's not often a dedicated story staff who can uh, evaluate fiction. Just from a purely logistical standpoint, I didn't really learn the ins and outs of that process until I started staffing conventions myself. But I was okay. I was still all right. After all, it was only one rejection. I was already used to rejection in the theater, so that's just another extension of artistic work. So the next things I wrote were for con books of other cons. I didn't hear answers back from some of them, but I had successes with others, enough that I felt confident enough to submit to the first volume of Will of the Alpha at the encouragement of one of the editors. So I've gone on and on about how rejection is a part of any artistic endeavor, because I want everyone who hears this to understand that much, if nothing else. 
You aren't a unique level of terrible writer because your work isn't accepted. More than anything, I want to drill that into everyone's heads. That alone doesn't make you a failure. So, what about this concept of failure? It's ostensibly the topic of this episode, after all, so what is there to say about it that's not completely subjective? <laughs> well, everything is subjective, especially when it comes to writing advice, and if you're still listening to me by now, you've probably figured out that half the time the things I say may or may not work for you. That's fine. Find your own way. But I'm going to offer my perspective. First... Failure can be both subjective and objective. Certainly there's some objective measure of it. If you don't reach goals that you set for yourself, that is a failure. If you don't live up to some commitment, that's a failure. Those are often external to yourself. What one person might consider massive success, another person could consider a colossal failure. Perhaps you wrote a novel that didn't sell. To you... Regardless of how good the quality of the book is, that might represent failure. To another person, the fact that you finished and edited a book and put it out there looks like massive success. After all, they haven't done what you've done. So from that sort of lens, failure is a deeply personal state. I think most of us have had that moment where, no matter how much someone loves a piece of our work, we hate it. We feel that it's truly awful. To us, we failed to produce what we set out to produce. An author with several wildly successful books and short stories might feel as though they weren't worth the effort because they didn't come out as good as they were in the author's head. What does failure mean for you? Does it mean being rejected like it did for me? Does it mean getting negative feedback? Does it mean putting out a piece of work for sale and not selling very many copies? Does it mean, like it does for me, not completing stories for submission when people are asking you to submit or are excited to read your work? This entire year, um, chronological year, not calendar year, but um, roughly the last 12 months have been really rough for me in terms of that. I failed to finish my story submission for the dystopia anthology that I was really excited about doing. But that one, the deadline came and went. But I asked for and received extensions from two other anthologies, and I still wasn't able to complete the work. Now, there were factors, things I had to prioritize over writing because they were responsibilities that I had committed to, uh, convention staffing is a very time-intensive process if you are in any way involved in planning or management of the convention. And this year for this con, man, it was one unavoidable disaster after another. Once that happened, I was about at the lowest point emotionally regarding my work that I've ever been. Not for the lack of publication. That that doesn't bother me. Um, I was upset because I'd let people down. I had been published the previous year in Fang and Roar. And I had stories that I was working on for both of those for the new volume, the Paradise theme. 
And I was given extensions. I was given extra time based on the strength of my work in the past. And I didn't live up to that. So how did I cope? How did I move forward? Well, first, and this is important, I gave myself permission to feel what I needed to feel and to take some time off. There was an article recently, just this past week, in The Daily Beast, written by a Mr. Stephen Hunter, that said, if you want to write a book, write every day or quit now. That article got a lot of, I think, very deserved negative attention from a lot of writers that I follow in the sci-fi and fantasy communities and in the furry writing community. And that feedback can mostly be boiled down to complete head-up-ass bullshit. Every writer is different in how we write, what our pacing is, and how we deal with failure. Yes, it is an ideal situation that someone could dedicate the time each day to put words on paper. That is, uh, I would suppose, the platonic ideal, if you will. But not everyone can do that. Mary Robinette Kowal, who is uh, the, well, one of the hosts of Writing Excuses, which is a podcast I listen to, writes once a week. And she has many, many successful books under her belt. She writes once a week because that's what her schedule allows her to do. She dedicates an entire day, so treats it as if it is another another day at work. So she begins at 8 or 9 in the morning and wraps up in 5 or 6 in the evening, and she might have 10,000, 12,000 words. What matters is, it works for her. In my case, I needed to finish up the one story I still owed, and get away from forcing myself to write. And once I did that and had some space between myself and my projects, I started opening existing projects on what I call my to become a novella stack and looking at them, getting ideas on how to restructure the stories to make them something I might want to publish. I opened my long simmering novel project and started making little edits and notations on what might need to be changed in a full edit pass. Doing those things without a deadline or any stress made me feel better about myself. Reading a piece of work I haven't looked at in a year let me see it with fresh eyes, and in some cases, I forgot what I wrote at all. It was like reading a whole new story. And I didn't hate it. That little sense of discovery lit a spark that I am really anxious to nurture. When you write and you have a setback or a failure, you need to take care of yourself. Do what you need to do, but always with the goal of getting back on the horse as soon as you're able. It's very easy to take a break and then just walk away. When you're comfortable, you have to push yourself a little. It's why a lot of parents don't want their kids taking a break from college. It's so tempting sometimes to just move on to other things. Not that there's anything wrong with that if it's a conscious choice, of course, but I'm of the opinion that if you move on from something, you should make a deliberate end of that thing. Don't let it peter out. Don't let it just dribble off into the distance. I've followed many, many small press and furry fandom ongoing projects and publications that never really ended. 
They just stopped. They stopped due to publication difficulties or interpersonal difficulties. And it doesn't matter how much the fans want them, those aren't going to get finished. And that's fine. But never to announce the end bothers me. Now, what often helps me when moving on from failure is making lists, whether I write them down or I just enumerate them in my head or whether I'm given a list by somebody else, like, say, an editor. The list lets me look point by point at where things may have gone wrong. This does take a certain ability to put one's ego aside, though. It's remarkably easy and dangerous to dismiss critique or, or a failure point as being the fault of someone or something else. They just don't understand my writing style. They don't like me as a person. Anything you can think of may be true, of course. But over time, you'll develop a sense of what criticism you should accept, what you should reject, as I talked about back in my episode on critique. And the important thing here is that whether it's quickly or after some recovery time, you pick yourself back up and push forward. Everybody fails sometimes. Everybody falls sometimes. You should definitely not let it define you. You could have hundreds of stories and novels rejected from publishers. Like Stephen King, you could have a spike on your wall where you stab those rejection letters into a growing pile. But you really aren't a failure until you give up. Even writers that I regard as terrible are often successful by some measure, whether that's titles published, or sales numbers, or some other metric. Kevin J. Anderson is immensely successful. I find him to be more or less a hack. Somebody's always going to dislike your work, but it's likely that there will be people who will love it, who will enjoy it. I write because I like telling stories, and I like the feeling that crafting a finished piece gives me. Now, I will not lie and say that I don't also appreciate external validation. Of course I do. Partly, that's why failure can feel so crushing for me. A conversation that I saw on Twitter the other day that carried on into the Furry Writers Guild Slack made me wonder about how I present myself online. A writer said they appreciate hearing other people's failures and about their rejections. They said they can't quite empathize with or trust writers who only talk about their successes. Everyone is different here. For me, I just don't like broadcasting my failures because they embarrass me most of the time. It's something that I realize I should probably try and overcome a little bit, but I still don't know whether I feel up to broadcasting when I'm rejected from heat again. So it's all well and good to talk about these things. It's something else to come up with a strategy to overcome them. This is something that I've said already is unique to each person, like a lot of writing advice, but I'm going to toss some things out here. Use what you like, discard what you don't, or what doesn't make sense to you. I just hope some of it helps. The first thing is to examine the cause for the failure based solely on the evidence. Emotions can and will cloud or color your perception of your own failures. If you're given specific feedback... That's evidence for things you might need to improve. If you're given a form letter, it is not evidence that your writing is shit, that the editor hates you, and you're better off quitting writing. Those aren't evidence-based claims. 
that's not what the form letter is. The form letter is just a thanks but no thanks. Step two on that is put the project aside for a bit. Let your head clear. Odds are good that if you had a story rejected from a venue in the furry fandom, it's not going to necessarily be ready or right for a different publication. You might get rejected from Fang, which has an upper limit of... Um, it's either ten or 12,000 words per story. But you wouldn't then turn around and resubmit that same story to Heat, which tends to accept stories in the five to 6,000 word range and almost never, never 10,000 or higher. It's happened, but it's really rare. Put the project aside. Even if it's only for a few days or a week, then come back, approach it with fresh eyes. Make some changes based on any feedback, and send it out to a different group of beta readers if you can. Once you've done that, see if you can find a market, or if you just want to post it up online, or maybe you want to self-publish it. I'm not making a value judgment on any of those things. My own personal time writing is so limited because I am not a fast writer that I spend most of my time writing things dedicated for publication, which cripples me in the building an audience sort of arena of writing and uh, because I can't post a lot of things free online. Even a year or two years or three years later, I feel like I shouldn't post work that has been published in an anthology if that anthology is still in print. Will of the Alpha probably isn't selling more than a couple of copies a month um, or a couple of copies a quarter at this point, but I would feel really weird putting that story up online. Also, it's pretty old at this point. I think I'm a lot better than that story now. Number three, give yourself some kind of incentive to jump back into writing. Incentives are a mixed bag for me because I don't have a lot of self-control sometimes. Um, I'm kind of fat and I like sweets and I like coffee and I like buying trinkets and shelf candy and whatever. I'll just give myself things without earning them, so it doesn't really work for me, depending on what the reward is. I've heard some people having luck with um, some kind of reward randomizer system. Maybe you get a bunch of small rewards, you list them, little things like you get to have a soda or you get to have an extra cup of coffee or, or some candy. When you make a milestone in your writing, say you've written a thousand words in a day or whatever your goal is, you roll dice or you use a randomizer and you get the reward on the table at that number. On a small handful of the possible rewards, you put some larger things. You get to have a fancy dinner or you get to go to an amusement park at the next opportunity or you get to see a movie or play video games. With the random outcome, it hypothetically works more like a game and some people do see better results that way. Something else you can do? Dive into a new project. Open up your ID, your idea file and pull a story you wanted to write that you won't have a market handy for or just that you never seem to get around to writing but that you're really excited about. Start working on that. Pick something that really makes your mouth water to get the words on the page. Once you start focusing, you might forget all about the failure while you work. Now, be careful that you finish what you start, though. I've gotten better over the years, but sometimes I still start stories and then trail off without finishing them, 
And it's not because I'm making a conscious decision not to finish the story. It's not that I've realized that the story is going nowhere. It's that I just stop. At least it used to be that I would think about the story when I wasn't able to be at a keyboard writing it, like during my day job. And then I therefore knew what was going to happen and writing it down became a chore. So I would just get bored and stop and do something else. Unless you're dead certain you know that story is going nowhere, it does pay to finish it out and see. Much like a chess player in the early stages of learning should play their games all the way through the end game, regardless of how certain they are that they've lost. It's the only way to learn end game strategy, and I think it works well for writing. Number five is evaluate your emotional state as best you can. Sometimes things pile on us and we don't realize how bad our mental state has become until someone points it out. If you find yourself in a pit, you have to decide if it's something you can pull yourself out of. If it is, then you should really try. If you aren't sure, the best thing is to speak to a professional. Counselors can help. Obviously, that's not within everyone's ability, but sometimes it's necessary when it's possible to go and see someone. The thing I will tell you from first-hand experience and from second-hand experience talking with people very, very dear to me. Depression is a liar. I believe it's Giannis who paraphrases from The Exorcist. Depression is a liar, but it mixes lies with the truth to confuse us. If you find yourself thinking in a spiral that doesn't seem to be improving. Try to break that thought process. Try to break that chain. If you can't, then call someone or talk to someone, whether it's a professional, whether it's a friend, whether it's a relative. If you can find a way to break those spirals, it'll help. And finally, the the thing I've been harping on at length in this episode does hold true. I want you to remember it. You are not the sum of your failures. They do not define you unless you let them. They're going to hurt. They're going to burn. They might leave scars, but they aren't you, the person. If, if you take nothing else useful away from this episode, I hope, I hope you'll take that to heart. Okay, so that's about it for me today. Um, some things I've got coming up. We're only a few weeks away from Anthrocon 2017. I'll be doing a couple of things there. On Friday, June 30th at 4 p.m., I'm slated to host the Ursa Major Awards Ceremony uh, and MC that, so I'll get to tell everybody who won. And at 8 p.m. that night, uh, several of us are going to be doing a reading from Bleak Horizons. That's the sci-fi horror anthology from Fur Planet that I've talked about on the show before. So if you're going to be at Anthrocon and you maybe you're on the fence about picking that one up, it's going to be worth taking a listen. You really might find that your curiosity is piqued. Then on Sunday afternoon, I'm speaking on writing horror and on writing technologies and formatting with Giannis. So those should be fun. Bring questions. Um, or I will start yapping about... I don't know, The Haunting of Hill House. Um, 
which is fine, I can do that, but if you've got questions, that'll be a good chance to ask them. Um, in the interim, I am also working on a project related to my Trick or Treat 2 story. Um, the novel that I've been working on is set in that world and is a sequel to that story, but I wanted to do a little bit more light exploration in that world, so I'm writing a at least one short story set there based on other characters. Um, whether or not that becomes um, more than one story or some sort of uh, uh, thing I post online, I don't know. I haven't decided what I'm going to do yet. But So that's uh, that's happening. If you haven't read my story in Trick or Treat 2, um, that's from Rabbit Valley. I really recommend that you pick that up. It's kind of an interesting combination of horror stories and Halloween-themed erotica stories. There are there are half-and-half uh, half mix in there. Um, check that out if you can. Okay, so uh, also stay tuned uh, very soon for news on the second annual RAR Write-A-Thon. I'm going to announce that on the podcast and on social media. So uh, keep your ears open for that because we could really use the help raising funds. That would really be appreciated. You can find the podcast on Twitter at Claws Podcast, and you can email questions or comments to podcast at chriswilliamsauthor.com. The opening and closing music for the podcast is by Lee Rosevear, and it can be found at the Free Music Archive. So, for now, remember, do not let anything, including failure, stop you from writing.